Hi, welcome to another episode of Kidon, War Stories on the Cutting Edge of IP Monetization. My name is David L. Cohen. I am the owner of Kidon IP, a consultancy, and David L. Cohen PC, a law firm, where we provide IP monetization services to clients both large and small. Every episode, I interview other subject matter experts and leaders in the wide world of prosecuting, asserting, analyzing, monetizing, and defending intellectual property rights. You can catch the show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many more. Today, we're talking with Guan Hot Koo of the Screen Law Firm in Malaysia. I first met Guan Hot while I was at Varengo when I was developing a global SCP monetization campaign, standard essential patent monetization campaign, in which he and his firm played an important role. Guan Hot is a litigator with over 30 years experience uh, joining Screen, scry- is it Screen or Scrying? Uh, we call it Screen. Yes. Screen. In 1933. In 1993. It's not that old. Uh, he, fre- he is frequently called to act upon act as senior counsel in both commercial and civil litigation and arbitration disputes. Guan Hot also advises both financial and non-financial institutions on regulatory and compliance matters. He's an adjunct, adjunct faculty men- member at the ICLIF Executive Education Center, part of the Asia School for Business in collaboration with MIT Sloan Management School for Management, and regularly speaks on behalf of its corporate liability and corporate governance matters. He appears as an expert witness on Malaysian law in several matters, including arbitration proceedings in the United States and Singapore. Guan Hot is one of the most highly regarded IP and patent litigators in Malaysia, and you're based in Kuala Lumpur. Is that correct? That is so, yes. Yes, wonderful. Well, thank you again for being here. Thank you. Truly an honor and a privilege to be invited to speak here. Thank you so much. So, Guanha, can you please uh, briefly describe how you sort of your voyage to being a patent? Everyone has a very different voyage to becoming a lawyer, becoming a litigator, and getting into the world of patents and, and IP. So maybe you can tell us uh, your how you how you got here. <laughs> okay, I think I think uh, I would attribute it to uh, some law school professors uh, or uh-huh. law school lecturers uh, who kind of. Uh, I wouldn't say guide me, but kind of uh, say things that directed me to a certain direction uh, in a way that uh, uh, lead me to where I am now. I, I, I didn't think that I would want to do any transactional work even when I was in law school. So I decided on litigation uh, and thought that litigation would be where I would be heading after after uh, finishing law school. Right. And, yeah. So when I was... Uh, when when after after I graduated, I applied to join the Malaysian Attorney General's Chambers, right? And asked to do litigation work for them. Uh, I was then placed in the litigation division, uh, doing all types of litigation work for for the Malaysian government, medical legal negligence, accident cases, public law, administrative law cases, uh, where 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 ministerial uh, discretions were challenged, for example. Oh wow. Yeah, so so I was doing that kind of work, and when the uh, when 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 the uh, arbitration unit in the Attorney General's chambers was set up, I was in place there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started doing arbitration work, construction law, and stuff like that. Uh, and these are arbitrations between whom and whom? Uh, between any private party and the government of Malaysia. Uh, where the government of Malaysia was involved in, you know, contractual disputes with these with these parties. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So it so happened that in one matter, one of my opponents uh, was a partner in Screen, the firm that I I am in. Right. Now. 
So after the arbitration, he invited me to join the firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, gave me an offer. With the offer, I went to see my immediate superior. Uh, he he, I remember this very uh, distinctly. What he did was he opened his drawer. He took out his last pay slip. And he told me, after 25 years, this is the amount that I'm earning with the government. And he said, if I were you, I would leave. <laughs> <laughs> so that was what I did. Yeah. So after I joined Screen, I continued doing uh, litigation and arbitration generally. Uh, until uh, the partner, the litigation partner in the in the intellectual property uh, department retired. Right. Yes. So I was then asked to join the uh, IP department um, doing IP litigation. It was very new to me, of course. Do you have any background in technology or anything like that? Uh, no, not really. Uh, uh, I had to learn on the job. Uh, right. Yeah. I feel your pain. <laughs> yes. And, and, and one of the first, uh, few cases that I did, uh, was for, uh, uh, I'm not sure whether you know the company is based in Illinois. It's called Illinois Toolworks. Uh, yes. Yes. So they have a huge presence in Malaysia, a huge manufacturing site in Malaysia, and they were manufacturing, uh, carriers for packages, semiconductor packages. So, so they got embroiled in some uh, pattern infringement matter with uh, wow. with an American, so so uh, I learned a lot from this this particular and case. semiconductor patents are not easy. Yes, yes, and 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 I worked with some brilliant people as well. Uh, one of whom has become uh, a lot justice in the uh, English Court of Appeal. Uh, he was what? then a barrister, became a Queen's Counsel judge of the High Court, now a judge in the Court of Appeal. In oh, what's England. his name? Uh, Colin, Colin Burst. Oh yes, I know. I'm Colin sure Burst. you've heard of him. Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, given. And he's a nice, such a nice man, honestly. Yeah. And he's given so many excellent judgments. I think yes. uh, he was elevated to the high court. So, so I, I learned a lot from all these brilliant people. Uh, so I hope that has also helped enhance my knowledge of uh, yeah, that's, IP that, and pattern law. The way to learn it. So, yeah. so briefly for our listeners who may not be as familiar. Um, and they're like wondering why is a, a British barrister involved in Malaysia? H- how does the, 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 can you briefly describe again at a high level? No reason to, to get yeah. too pedantic. So Malaysia has a very strong British influence in the legal system. It is. And so can you please briefly describe sort of the sources of law in Malaysia and how litigation works? Is it like Britain? Is it something very different? Uh, well, Malaysia is part of the common law jurisdiction. Uh, Malaysia, of course, uh, some Malaysians don't like it when we say this. <laughs> Malaysia <laughs> was colonized by, by, by Britain at one time. Uh, right. And got its independence in the fifties from, from the UK. Uh, I, uh, but then, uh, what has happened is that there are some statutory provisions that allow the importation of UK law to be adapted to Malaysian conditions. Right. So, uh, patent law, uh, specifically, uh, was something very new in Malaysia, uh, about 20 years ago, for example. Oh, wow. I mean, uh, not many people were, were litigating. about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not many people were litigating patent matters. We had our statute, uh, that was enacted in 1983. Uh, but, uh, it took a bit of time for it to gestate. I mean, the cases to gestate right, and for, for, for litigation to occur. 
So so what had happened was uh, because patent law was fairly new new in Malaysia, we we had to seek some guidance. Our, our knowledge was limited, so we had to right. seek some guidance from from a more mature uh, jurisdiction, uh, particularly on the issue of I think construction of claims. Right. When when it involves um, whether to prove uh, infringement or to prove validity. Um, because uh, you've got uh, different methods of construing claims in different jurisdictions. Right, you've got the right. doctrine of equivalence in the US, you've got the doctrine of purpose of construction in other countries. So we've got to learn about all these things. Uh, and that was when we consulted uh, British barristers right. for assistance as well. Yeah. And, and, and so a, a, tip, a lawsuit or litigation in, in, in Malaysia is, does it have a barrister solicitor split like split like it does in the UK or does? Well, in Malaysia, we practice uh, our lawyers practice more like the American lawyers. Uh, okay. Uh, the firm start. I hope they're better behaved. Well, it's relative. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 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 so the firm does all the legwork, drafting of. Uh, Pleadings, documents, injunction papers, cost papers, and so on, filing. And then uh, we've got the right of audience in, in court as well. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so, 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 so being solicit, we, we have a fields profession. Uh, we are called advocates and solicitors. So we do both solicitors and advocacy work. Uh, right. But by and large, I think over time, uh, the solicitors work uh, would now, in my firm anyway, will be done by a group of specialist lawyers, specialist right. IP lawyers, yeah. So as and when they need uh, counsel to appear in court, perhaps to argue certain contentious issues, uh, you know, I will come in and help them uh, kind of right. uh, raise right. up. Yeah, that's natural in, 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 in any highly specialized field that happened in the States too, in the U.S. as well. Um, and, and so is it, there's no jury though for patents. There's no jury, right? It's in front of and and is there a spe? I recall that there was a specialized court that was being created. Yes, the, the the court is still there. There's a specialist IP court. It's not a specialist patents court. Oh, I it's see. Specialist IP court generally. Oh, okay. Yeah. the 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 uh, unfortunate thing about it is the judges do get transferred okay. and promoted from time to time. So you've got uh, a high Keep educating them. Yeah. So so yeah, you're right. Yeah, so we've got to deal with uh, new. When judges. COVID's over, you have to start sending them to the Fordham IP conference in New York to to meet all the other judges. That's right. I think uh, I'm not sure whether they do go. I'm not sure whether Malaysian judges go there or not. But I know that lots of judges from other countries do attend yeah. the Fordham the Fordham meetings. Yeah, and and the procedure is is it um, sort of a a. Um, like the UK, where you have some sort of discovery, you know, pleading period, then a discovery period, then an expert period, then then a traditional trial. Uh yeah, it's it's it mirrors the UK uh, procedure. We've got, of course, the pleadings period and then the discovery period. Uh where expert period is concerned, uh, it depends on the judges. Uh, the judges may want the experts to meet in advance and agree on issues. Or uh, they sort of like hot, hot tubbing in case. Australia, hot tubbing they call it, yeah. Or it may not necessarily be the case as well, uh, depending on how the court wants to run the case. I see, it's case, case by case. Yeah. yeah. Excellent, excellent. So, 
So it's it's sort of a, a fusion between it sounds like Australia, U.S., the U.K. with a mo- very strong Malaysian flavor to it. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. Except that we don't have the U.S. Uh, equivalent of a Markman hearing. Right. So we we try our infringement validity all in one action. Even construction of uh, claims uh, in the same action in the same trial. I mean. Uh, yes, so, yes, like the old the old fashioned way. <laughs> yeah, and and the uh, there's a there's a separate Malaysian patent uh, office. There's a separate Malaysian patent office that's part of the general Malaysian IP office. Right, right, yeah. and those patents they come either from uh, a WIPO patents PCTs or they're separately individual Malaysian patents. Yes. Uh, well, yes. Uh, there are PCT uh, uh, national phase filings here as well. Uh, there are also uh, the usual. Uh, right. Right. You know, uh, Paris Convention filings. Paris and, Conventions, exactly. And and, and is there a separate proceeding before the, once a patent has issued? Is there a separate proceeding to try to nullify it, or is that doesn't exist? Well, now that you ask this question, there's a there's a new development in Malaysian patent law. Uh, our patent act had recently been been amended. Uh, previously, it was just a prosecution by the patent office. Right. No formal uh, third party observations. No formal opposition proceedings. So the patent office will then prosecute, let's say, to grant, mm-hmm. and then if anyone is not satisfied, they will then apply to court. Right to uh, revoke or invalidate the patent, the granted patent. Uh, but the recent amendments uh, had introduced uh, uh, the ability for third party to file the observations during prosecution stage. During prosecution still, though? During prosecution. Uh-huh. And and if the patent goes to grant, uh, there's also now a new procedure called the post-grant opposition. Uh, strangely, it's not a pre-grant opposition like in some countries, but this is a post-grant opposition uh, 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 procedure that has been uh, legislated in Malaysia. And how long do you have to do it? So I think like in the EU, you have a year or nine months after it issues. I think there is no specific timeline that is designated in the provision. So like in the US, so anytime the patent, once the patent issues, you can go to the patent office and... yes. Yes. And is that an inter partes dispute or is that just it it well it, the procedure hasn't been I, I don't think the rules regarding the procedure have been kind of gazetted yet, uh because the act that particular provision has just been introduced. Uh but I, I would expect it to be an inter partes procedure. Uh I'm sure the patentee will be allowed to respond to uh, right, right, so we have to respond. But is the uh, petitioner Whoever is complaining, the opposer, whatever they end up calling the individual, is is that is that party going to be part of the process, or is it between yes. the patent? Okay, so it's a three-way process: the yeah. patent office, the patent owner, and the petitioner. Yeah. So what 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 happens is the law now now as it stands, as amended, says that any interested party. So uh, the definition of interested party is not. Uh, Describing the statute, so I guess it's going to be a very fact-based uh, kind of uh, right uh, situation. So any interested party can apply to the patent office for opposition, post-grant opposition. Wow, based on similar grounds for revocation and invalidation as well. Um, so I, I'm sure you're familiar, or at least have heard, the IPR system, inter-parties review system in the U.S. 
And so I, I'm hearing hearing the law. I can see there's a lot of room for mischief. I hope I hope whoever whoever's in charge of ch- gazetting out the rules figures out the ways to avoid too much mischief. Yeah, yeah. So uh, well, let's hope it is a positive development here, <laughs> and it won't necessarily uh, uh, scuttle a patent owners' rights. Uh, Right, 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 right. right. Like the pattern, yeah. so, so my next question was going to be, uh, I think we've talked about one of them, but what are the sort of the hot topics that are uh, occupying people who concern themselves with IP in Malaysia currently? Oh, well, I don't think there's any specific uh, high-level uh, development that is going to change the pattern or IP landscape here. Uh, but... Uh, you might have read that Malaysia had uh, acceded to uh, the RCEP, which is the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership Treaty. Okay. Uh, that treaty, I think, was uh, uh, kind of motivated by, by China. So there are quite a number of uh, countries that have acceded to that treaty. I think Australia, Japan, China, India, if I'm not mistaken. So Malaysia has also acceded to that treaty. Um. Uh, and and that treaty is supposed to reduce trade barriers between countries. So right. uh, so I think our IP laws will also be kind of uh, streamlined towards uh, harmonization somewhat. Yeah, with the procedures. Yeah, but it'll hopefully bring more trade. But then it'll bring more IP disputes, which will be yeah, it will. Yeah, and and not not necessarily only IP disputes. I guess you know, like for example. I I have a client uh, who had a business in in the US, and also a business in China. Um, right. uh, so so uh, because of its dealings with China, uh, it had some it had to face some sanctions in the US as well. So it had some kind of uh, effect, right, in the US uh, in its US business because of its businesses with China. So uh, that that I suppose is one of the issues that. Yeah, no. I uh, one of the big challenges we have now is the, the the global trade wars, and of course the the supply chain disruptions, and 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 uh, uh, the splitting of the uh, sort of the bifurcation of 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 I can, or decoupling I should say I think is the word the economists use between the sort of the Western bloc whatever that may mean and the Chinese bloc, which I guess presents a number of opportunities for countries like Malaysia to be an alternative place for for high-tech industry. I think it does. Uh, Malaysia likes to see itself as uh, a big manufacturing state uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, and with low cost. So a number of, uh, I suppose, uh, companies do kind of uh, set up uh, set up facilities, factories in Malaysia to do its manufacturing. So so in a way, I think uh, Malaysia has uh, one foot here and one foot there as well. Because uh, there's still also a lot of Chinese companies in Malaysia, if I recall. Yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, you're right. Yes. It's a, de- it's a delicate... So I guess, you know, if you were to tell, what, what are some things that, that uh, if you're a, a foreign IP rights holder or if you're an IP professional who's not based in Malaysia, not particularly familiar with Malaysia, what what are some, what, what should they, what should, why should they consider Malaysia as part of their IP strategy? Well, I suppose, yeah, I suppose it depends firstly on, on, on what sort of, or how much businesses uh, they might have in, in Malaysia, uh, how much, uh, uh, but in terms of IP, basically Malaysia has got 
quite a stable IP regime. Uh, we are <coughs> we are part of trips. We are part of uh, <coughs> Paris Convention. We are part of PCT. Uh, we are part of uh, Budapest uh, and and uh, Bucharest. So 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 uh, a lot of uh, let's, like you say, so there's a lot of harmonization of uh, international IP uh, laws within Malaysia. Right. So there is, uh, if they're familiar with general IP laws in other countries, uh, they would also be familiar with IP laws in Malaysia, uh, subject to the, the nuances. Right, of all the nuances. That might occur here and there, yeah. How, how much do you, would you say um, it costs to file a, a, a standard or a typical or a patent litigation in Malaysia from the beginning to the end? Uh... Is it? It's it's cheaper than the UK, I imagine. I think so. Yes, and it's cheaper than most countries, even within the uh, Southeast Asia region. Oh, really? Yeah, I would imagine uh, that in terms of US dollars, uh, one may be looking at between uh, five hundred thousand and a million US dollars from the beginning. If it's going to be a, a contentious matter. And 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 how long will it take to get to a judgment usually? Uh, again, it depends. Um, Obviously, my my quickest uh, my quickest case was less than two years to judgment. Uh, it could go up to even between three and five years, depending right. on the availability of uh, court the court dates, the the expert witnesses dates, and so right. on. And and do you do you, do you have to use experts from from Malaysia or do is is the choice use of a foreign expert a challenge or there is no requirement to necessarily use uh, Malaysian experts uh, uh, but in my experience the the foreign experts have been more useful when it comes to uh, making a better presentation in court insofar as the evidence is concerned. Particularly because I think they are more, or generally more articulate than Malaysian experts, right? And they are more used to, to making presentations, uh, right, in, in the court. And what languages is the is, are the proceedings conducted in? Oh, we typically do them in English. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Although when we file uh, our court papers, we file them in both the Malaysian language and the English. Uh, Language. Yeah, I remember that, and and I was like, uh, <laughs> I didn't know I spoke Malaysian so well. <laughs> um, yeah, so so that's so so it's around it's two years and under a million dollars for a you know moderately complex case. And do you, are, are there still injunctions available? Injunctions, yes. Um, again, again, that depends on the usual uh, tests for granting injunctions, uh, whether that's irreparable damage. Uh, uh, and stuff right. like that, but I guess it's it's like the UK, similar to the UK or Australia, as a, as far as availability of injunctions are concerned. Yes, very much so. Yes, right. And um, how, how uh, do you also have? Uh, I remember, but I don't know if we we ever talked about this. But I th in in France they have something called a saisie contrefaçon. I think in the UK they call Anton Pillar. A process is that something that's used? I mean, so that's like a pre-suit evidentiary seizure process, basically. Uh, yes, that's correct. Uh, typically, we wanted to file for Anton Pillar 
we will file it together when we we will file the application on the motion together when we file the suit. Right. Yeah, and and uh, entered bill of proceedings uh, are heard ex parte, of course. Uh, and and if 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 we did get the order, uh, then then of course we need to appoint supervising solicitors to to uh, ensure that any search or seizure uh, is properly done in accordance with the court order. I imagine that's important in say a counterfeiting type of arrangement or yes. Uh, yeah. For people who are likely to destroy evidence, yeah, yeah, it's a very powerful move if you can if you can do it. It is, it is, uh, uh, and uh, it can disrupt. Actually, it can disrupt legitimate operations as well. I mean, if if the accused infringer wasn't infringing and were practicing a legitimate operation it, it can it can disrupt the operation. right so you have you have the, and and so like the uk or the australia is it is it a loser fee uh jurisdiction yes generally uh fee uh or or the costs as we call it uh will follow the event uh is it a one-to-one so like exactly the the, the amount the adversary spends is it or is it some sort of because I know, like in Germany, they have a very strange. The Germans have very very into formulas, and they have this formula that they give you uh, <laughs> on how much you have to pay. Oh, uh, but in the UK, it's sort of like they 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 sort of um, uh, they present a bill of costs, and then there's a little mini litigation about how much of it is actually legitimate, and then the judge decides what percentage of it is. Is, is that more similar? Or? Yeah, it's, it's similar to the UK system. Uh, typically, you don't get you, you cannot even if you was the successful party, it's unlikely for for you to recover a dollar for dollar kind of uh, cost. Um, you probably will recover between one third and two thirds of your actual costs. Right. Uh, depending on how the judge views. Uh, the, the reasonableness of the amounts. Right? The reasonableness amounts, right? And 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 if it's what happens if it's a very close case, you know, and is is the judge going to award? See, that's what always struck me unfair is that if it's a very close case and it's sort of fifty fifty, and the judge decides yeah. that the other side has to pay because of that. Uh, well, yes, uh, the judge was still in the usual case order costs to follow the event. The successful party would still. Get the costs of the litigation. Got it. Got it. And and so, how has COVID and all those other crazy and disruptions sort of impacted the court system over there and and the day to day procedures? And has it created tremendous backlash, um, backlog, or has it slowed things down, or has it has it has it improved things even? Well, well, the COVID situation you know, about two years ago when it started, uh, it did create a bit of uh, anxious moments uh, in courts as well. Uh, and and the Malaysian government imposed what we call a movement control order that restricted movements. So uh, because of the restriction in movements, uh, a lot of litigation matters were affected. Uh, but but I think uh, thanks to the court, uh, the court decided to introduce online hearings, and and they actually took steps to to amend the law to allow online hearings to be recognized. Oh, okay, that's yeah. really cool. So they facilitated online hearings by subscribing, of course, to Zoom and all these other uh, uh, functions. And the lawyers then were, of course, forced then to participate in online hearings. And, and that's where they got uh, kind of uh, used to online hearing these days. Um, so so 
the backlog is being cleared. Uh, it has started to clear since about a year ago. But I think uh, the court is still trying to clear the backlog uh, as a result of the COVID situation. Right. And do you think the court's going to keep anything about the um, any anything that it imposed during COVID, post-COVID? So will there still be virtual hearings or things like that? Yes, I believe so. We have been uh, informed by the Chief Justice that uh, that do expect online hearings to be something that's uh, normal, even right. post-COVID. Yeah. I mean, I think as we, I think we took before the call. I think um, before our talk, uh, formally recorded talk. You know, evidentiary taking of evidence is always a challenge. However, however you do it, and whatever safety guards you create uh, when you do it virtually. But a lot of the, um, a lot of the times you run to court for basically, you know, procedural matters or scheduling or even just argument is, uh, can easily be done, um, via Zoom or by, by virtual and, and often will be much more efficient and cost effective for everybody. Yes. It is, however, I think a different kind of environment, uh, for especially the witnesses. Yes. I mean, I, I've appeared as a witness before. And I think the last place a witness wants to be will be to be sitting in a witness uh, box, having a very cold air conditioning, air blowing down onto you and facing questions by lawyers and facing the judge and thinking about the right answers to give. It's a hard uh, thing to do. Yeah, physically in court. Whereas now I think when there's online trials, um, the witness sits in the comfort of his home. Uh, he does not feel the the strange environment that uh, uh, he would have been in had he been testifying in court. So so it does create a more relaxed atmosphere for a witness. So it does, I suppose, uh, impact how a witness give, gives evidence. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, interesting. it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. Um, have the uh, the global patent wars uh, since since the Varengo days, have they impacted uh, a Malaysian scene? Have you seen anything interesting going on or... Is it just sort of noise in the background? <laughs> well, well, I I was a bit disappointed when Varengo settled <laughs> his case in Malaysia. We were going to give it a a, a good shot, I think, in in, in trying the case here. But uh, things kind of uh, quieted down for a while, and uh, things are heating up again. Uh, there are there are new SCP filings in Malaysia. Oh wow. Yeah, so we 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 are acting for one of the SCP owners in 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 a suit against uh, another company. Uh, particularly, I think because things are heating up because uh, uh, over the years uh, the SCP owners probably have had entered into license agreements with these uh, companies. Yeah, and that the license agreements are probably coming to an end. Yes. And that could are, be are they are they for telecom or are they for um, audio video codecs or for 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 telecom? Uh, but there, I think uh, there is also an audio video matter that has been filed. An MPEG, uh, MPEG, MPEG uh, matter that has also been filed. But we had look at the cost papers. It wasn't drafted as an SCP claim in that right. MPEG matter. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I think typically because uh, parties are now in negotiations or disputes over ro future royalty payments, and that's why the global wars are happening. For, yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 uh, as though you know, notwithstanding the whole 
uh, decoupling I was mentioning before, it's still a very global world. And, it is. And, and, and uh, yes, all these things. Are, and I think everyone's still figuring out ways to um, maximize leverage in their negotiating strategy. So do you find that um, you um, have to interact with foreign lawyers a lot in these kinds of things or, or you sort of um, give it left to your own devices? <laughs> well, uh, we, we do interact a lot with foreign lawyers, just like, you know, in the Ringo days, uh, you probably had uh, one, one lawyer in each kind of uh, continent yes. to, co- to coordinate. Yeah, if only for the time zones, you know, it's hard. Yeah. So, 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 uh, this happens here as well. Uh, there, there, there are some coordination done by some international lawyers, and Malaysia is probably not in the crosshairs of all these uh, disputing parties. Uh, Malaysia is probably an interesting jurisdiction only because maybe the sales are right. Are good in Malaysia of the tel- tel- telco. Well, it's also the manufacturing. If you can shut down the manufacturing and impact, at least from my, the way I would think about it, is if you can shut down manufacturing and impact supply chain, <laughs> it could be That's pretty right. pretty impactful as well. Um, what do you wish um, these global lawyers flying all around the world, sending instructing instructing lawyers uh, without? What do you wish they knew about how things really are done in Malaysia? That they don't seem to know already. Well, uh, I, I must say that those international lawyers they are keen to learn. I mean, they do ask questions, uh, and uh, they do ask, for example, about you know if we were to file in Malaysia, but before we file, uh, what happens if there's a question like an anti-suit injunction file? Right somewhere else you know so how do we deal with the situation in malaysia so so we do interact uh uh in this way uh and and and, and talk about talk things over and, and try to strategize as to when to file how to file right. who to file against that kind of thing yeah you know i always thought it was you know all the jurisdictions are a piece in the puzzle of the grand strategy and you just need to know how the pieces are shaped and how they work and so it's good to see that you have. Uh, uh, it's always nice when you're dealing with curious people coming to talk to you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 and, and I think uh, most most lawyers, most international lawyers, they are very very clever people, and they do understand. Of course, <laughs> they will be. You know. Uh, no, of course, of course. I don't. I don't want you to besmirch your potential customers. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, well, listen, Guanhan. It was really, it was really special. Anything, anything exciting going on outside the realm of law in Malaysia now? Or any good reasons to come to Kuala Lumpur other than the weather? Well, uh, the weather, as you know, is always good. Uh, we either have uh, sunlight or rain, uh, <laughs> and nothing else. Uh, uh, but but Malaysia is a peaceful country. Uh, politically, maybe a bit uh, you know a bit unstable at the moment because of the change of government from time to time. Right. But generally, the security condition is still pretty stable, still pretty secure country. Uh, we 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 welcome you to come to Malaysia. I, I would love to come. I know I know when I sent uh, my colleague Josh, he, he used to have so much fun on the when he when it, you know when during the downtime he would go do cool things. Yeah, and, and I wish I never. I, I wish I had an opportunity to come more, but uh, hopefully in the future, 
in the near future. And I would look forward to, to uh, both giving you work, but also meeting up with you in the near future. And if you ever come to the States, I'd love to meet with you as well. So, but thank you again so much for your time. It's hopefully been a uh, fun for you and interesting and, and enlightening to our listeners and uh, anyone out there. How do, how should people get in touch with you? Uh, Guan Han? Well, uh, my, uh, uh, I, I, I can be located at my firm's website. That's screen.com. S K R I N E.com. Uh, and, and anyone can email me, uh, using my initials. Uh, Ku is actually my family name. Right. Right. So, uh, my email address starts with K, uh, initial G H K G H at screen.com. Excellent. Well, listen, thank you again. And I know you're probably off to a very busy day. It's your morning. And I really appreciate you making the time to, to speak with me today. Thank you, David. Uh, it's truly an honor again to speak to you uh, and be a part of uh, the process that you, you are undertaking. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.